I'm excited to be continuing this short series that we have right after Easter called The Curtain Call. Uh, We're focusing on John 20 and 21, those last two chapters of the Gospel of John. And we're looking at three post-resurrection appearances with Jesus and either an individual or a group and what they accomplish and what they show us and what Jesus does to move people from where they are to where he really wants them to be. And this is an important theme because when Jesus encounters us, he wants to move us closer to his vision for our lives. Each time we encounter him, each time we engage with him. So last week we looked at Jesus and Mary Magdalene, that first Easter morning, and how he moved her from sorrow to joy. And, and we talked about how Mary stayed when others left. Because she was seeking Jesus. She was really intently trying to get to the bottom of where Jesus was. And as a result, her sorrow moved to joy before anybody else's. And she experienced something special and profound and unique directly from Jesus. Today we're going to look at Jesus appearing to the disciples in the upper room. And how he moves them from fear to faith. From fear to bold, courageous faith. And then next week, we'll look at Jesus and Peter as we sort of wrap things up. But I I came across this quote as I was studying for this week, and I really resonated with it. And in fact, uh, much of this message is owed to Warren Wiersbe, who says that wherever people were confronted with the reality of his resurrection, their lives were transformed. Think about that. Wherever people, and we have three examples in this series, but you have examples in your own life and in your life personally or people that you know that were confronted with the reality of the resurrection and their lives were transformed because the resurrection changes everything and the resurrection can change everything for the lost and the broken and the people who have never heard the good news and so today we're going to see how Jesus turns the disciples fear into faith into bold courage. So if you open a Bible to John 20, verses 19 through 23, if you're following along online, these will be on the screen. But uh, for those in the room, there's Bibles in the seats. I always encourage you to have a Bible open in front of you so that you can follow along. And if it's your own personal Bible, feel free to take notes and, and uh underlying things. Uh, If you're using one of our Bibles, you might think twice about that, but uh, find us on page 1686 um, if you've got one of those blue Bibles in in the seats here. We're going to be picking up from last week. Last week, we we talked about Jesus with Mary Magdalene. Uh, Today, we pick up the story in verse 19 through 23 of John 20, and here's what we read. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, With the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And so when we look at this passage, we're going to kind of break this down into three things that Jesus does that help move the disciples from their fear to faith, to bold courage. And and we know that they were afraid because it tells us right there in verse 19 that they were hiding for fear of the Jews. The doors were locked. They were afraid. They had just seen Jesus crucified at the demands of his own people, that it wasn't 
necessarily Rome, but there was certainly a fear of Rome as well because the way that Rome typically dealt with insurrection, with revolutions, with uh, people, revolutionaries, was that they crucified them and then they crucified everybody who had been associated with them. And so they are afraid of the Romans. They are afraid of the Jews. They are locked in this upper room. And he comes to them. That's the first thing Jesus does. He came to them. Jesus came to the disciples. And it's such a beautiful picture of him meeting them where they were. And he meets us where we are. Part of the good news of the gospel is that you're never too far gone. As, as Pastor Zach said so well at the table, we're never so far that we can't come to the table. We're never so far that we can't come back. He comes to us where we are. And his first words to the disciples are, peace be with you. Peace be with you. He knew they were afraid. He knew they were anxious. And so he comes to them in their anxiety and he says to them, peace be with you. Most likely he said the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom to you. Shalom be with you. Shalom being that greeting that was extended when you met somebody and also a way of saying goodbye. You would bless them and wish peace upon them and it's so much more than peace. It's wholeness. It's wellness. It's it's all-encompassing goodness of God in this one word, shalom, that there would be peace with them. And so it, it's a good time to, to pause and do a little reflection. Is there an area in your life where you are anxious, where you are afraid, where you're hiding for fear of a person, a situation, maybe a medical concern, maybe a financial concern, maybe a relationship has gone sideways and gotten a little rocky and you're anxious or you're afraid and Jesus wants to come to you in that place of fear and say, peace be with you. He wants you to bring that concern to him. And so I wonder if you think about that area where you're hiding or where you're afraid, have you brought Jesus to it? Have you brought it to him? He tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. That we can take whatever it is that we're anxious about, whatever it is that we're afraid of, and we can hold it with open hands. Instead of closing our fingers around it, we can open our hands and we can say, Lord Jesus, I set this at your feet. I release this to you because your word promises that you care for me. And now, if we move forward with it, we move forward together with Jesus by our side and we can face the fear. We have courage because Jesus is with us, because Jesus comes to us. And some of my deepest and most profound times with God have been precipitated by an anxiety or a fear that I just couldn't quite shake. And I come to him with a journal and a Bible and I say, Lord, I am feeling this and this and this. And I know that's not your will for me. And so I invite you into the midst of this and this and this. And I release that to you because your word promises that you care for me. And I entrust it to you. And I invite you 
to join me that I would be yoked to you and we would accomplish or take on this challenge together. And just this Monday morning, there was an experience like that. And as I prayed that prayer and as I wrote those things down, Jesus came to me through his word, as he so often does. Maybe you've had an experience like this recently. And I was reading uh, just the, the psalm for that day from our Banding Together uh, journal, and it was Psalm 73, and I was like, oh, this isn't all that great, until I got to the very end. <laughs> Ever had one of those experiences where you're like, oh, I was looking for a little more from the psalms, and then I get to the very end, and it says this. It says, yet I am always with you. The psalmist speaking to God, you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you, and my flesh and heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. And all the fear melted away, and Jesus came to me through his word. Sometimes Jesus comes to us through his word. Sometimes Jesus comes to us through a friend. And you just sit down and you get some things off your chest. And you say, they say they'll pray for you. Or they empathize with you. Later that day, I had picked a few things back up. I had lunch with a friend. <laughs> and he identified with me. And he empathized with me. And I left that feeling much better. Sometimes he comes to us through a friend. Sometimes he comes to us through a change in circumstances, and that's usually what we're praying for, but it doesn't always come that way. Nothing had changed about my circumstances. But each time Jesus came to me through his word, through a friend, through a worship service, through an opportunity that we have, and he turns our sorrows to joy, and he turns our anxiety or our fear into faith, into courage. And so there's a handout as you leave today that is 11 Bible verses on fear. Uh, I had 10, and then I thought of one more, and I was trying to sub one out, and I thought, that's silly. If they can use 10, they can use 11, you know, and maybe that'll be the one. So I mixed it in there so you wouldn't know which one was the, the 11th. But these are on the, plates as you, or on the tables with the plates as you depart from here. And uh, I even did one with a higher contrast, um, for those of you that would appreciate uh, a little higher contrast. And you're welcome to take one of these um, and give it to somebody else that maybe you could be Jesus coming to them with his word and as a person. And I intentionally left the back blank because I want you to write some, some more verses on fear, or maybe you add some additional headings and you write down some additional scriptures that help you move from fear to faith or from sorrow to joy or from whatever it is that you're feeling to whatever it is that you feel like God wants you to feel. So feel free to pick one of those up on the way out um, as you go. But the second thing Jesus does, he not only came to the disciples, when he was there with the disciples, he commissioned them. Did you see that? This is the passage where we see the Great Commission in John's Gospel. Each of the Gospels ends with a post-resurrection appearance where Jesus is giving a commission to the people, to his disciples. And in John's version here, he gives them a mission. He says, you have work to do. You have a mission to accomplish. And we see this in verse 21. 
where we're told Jesus again said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And so I find it interesting that he says, Peace be with you again. He'd already said that. This is the last thing that he said, Peace be with you. But we know that a little bit inter, inter, uh, took place between the first peace be with you and the second peace be with you because he showed them his hands and his side and they were overjoyed as they saw the Lord. And as the, as the energy started to settle back down from the joy that they were feeling, he tells them again, peace be with you. And I think the first one was peace be with you in this moment of fear. And the second peace be with you Peace be with you as you go where I'm sending you to go. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I send you. You're going to need even more peace than you need right now. Because there is a mission for you in this world. I'm commissioning you to go. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And they had to be thinking like, wait, you just showed us the nail-scarred hands and the showed us your bleeding side. As the Father sent you, are you sending us to the same Level of sacrifice? Is your sending of us of the same nature? And so he says, peace be with you. As you go, experience peace. Experience shalom. Experience my peace. Which he had promised them in John, which one was it, 16? My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives do I give. He had a special kind of peace. And those words had to be echoing in their minds. And I find it interesting as I was reading uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul says this at the end of that second letter to the Thessalonian church. He says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. So even as he sends us out, even as Paul closes this letter, he sends us out with his peace. And I wrote in my journal that Jesus is the Lord of peace. So if we believe that something is under his lordship, which everything is under his lordship, then we can experience his peace. Whatever it is, he is the Lord of peace. In Matthew 28, he says, All authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And here we see him as the Lord of peace, sending his people with peace to accomplish the work that they have done. But I think there's, a, I think there's another layer to this because the sending, this commissioning, this saying, I am sending you, is saying, I have work for you to do. It emboldens them and it should embolden us that, that Jesus invites us to be his co-laborers to accomplish his purposes in this world. Paul talks a lot about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we are ministers of reconciliation, that we are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador? An ambassador is somebody who is sent by one sovereign nation to another sovereign nation to represent the nation that sent them. And Jesus says, you are my ambassadors. Paul says, you are ambassadors of Christ. So you're there. We're here on earth in this world to represent Christ who sent us. If we start to connect all those dots, that's why our mission matters so much here at Linwood to reach people for Christ, to give them a place to belong, to help them grow in their faith because that is how we help accomplish the great commission that Jesus gave to all disciples everywhere. And so we have this opportunity. We have a task. We have a purpose that Jesus expects us to do and he 
thinks we can accomplish or he wouldn't have given it to us. And so there's an element here when we talk about this idea of moving fear to faith where serving someone else can be one of the best ways to move outside of our fears into a faithful, bold, courageous response. I remember at one of my past churches, there was a, a young lady who had, who had been assaulted and had PTSD from the assault, and she had become almost completely paralyzed by fear. She would get to work as quickly and as discreetly as possible, do her work, get home as quickly and discreetly as possible, and tried to never go out or never be out. And if she did have to go out, she tried to do it only in broad daylight and only be where there were crowds, and she was so terrified. And her world had gotten smaller and smaller and smaller, and as we worked together, one of the things that I suggested was that she find a place where she would be comfortable serving others. And she began to do that, and she began to see her world expand a little bit by little bit by little bit. And she got her eyes off of, off of her fear and onto the mission that God had given her in this world. And, and now she's been able to help with a, a ministry to women who have been previously abused and to use her story and her unique understanding to encourage and bless others, and her world continues to expand. And I think it's a beautiful example of that. And I think that's one of the reasons Jesus said, you've got work to do. I'm sending you. Go to it. <laughs> Go to it. But he's not done yet. He has one more thing to do. And we see this is the third thing. First, he came to them. Second, he, he commissioned them. He sent them on a mission. And third, he empowered them. Jesus empowered his disciples. He gave them what they needed in order to do the work that he had given them to do. And so in verse 22, we read this. And with that, having said that, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and he re said, receive the Holy Spirit. And this echoes the Genesis account of creation. In Genesis 2-7, we're told that God breathed the breath of life into the, into the nostrils of the man, and that was when the man became a living being. And there are a lot of interesting parallels between John's presentation of the gospel and the Genesis narrative. They start with the same words, in the beginning. They trace a parallel structure in many ways, and so a lot of commentaries would point to this and say that this is a, a, an intentional inclusion, and whereas in Genesis 2, it was the physical life coming into man, into Adam. Here, it is the spiritual life coming into the disciples. And so then when God breathed into the nostrils of Adam and he became a living being, he became, a, he became animated, he became a living organism, a human being created in the image of God. Now Jesus says, this spirit is for all of you. And they would receive the Holy Spirit in Mass at Pentecost. So this was a foretaste of the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And so as I mentioned, this is John's Great Commission. And I find it interesting that in this Great Commission, all three members of the Trinity are represented. Jesus says to them, as the Father has sent me, that's the Father, so I send you, that's the Son. And then he breathes on them. And he says, receive 
the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Right in two verses, we have all three members of the Trinity. And so the Spirit goes from dwelling with them in the person of Jesus to now being in them, embodying them, empowering them. And everything from this point forward that we read about in the New Testament was made possible by the Spirit. It would have been impossible without the Spirit. There probably would not be a Linwood church giving sacrificially to plant a hundred more churches around the world without the Spirit empowering that. If you flip over a few pages, you'll see the book of Acts, and it's often referred to as the Acts of the Apostles, as the full name, and I've always thought that's, a, that's the wrong name. It should be the Acts of the Spirit. <laughs> Because the Spirit makes every major shift, every move forward, it is specifically credited to the Spirit, and none of it happens without the Spirit. And so Jesus doesn't just come to them. He also gives them work to do, and he gives them what they need in order to be successful. And we are here today as proof that it was successful. But there's one more verse here, and I find this is an interesting verse. There are times in my life when I might have been tempted to, let's just trim it off at 22. This one's a little tough. I'm not sure I'm going to have an opportunity to really dig into that. And it's this somewhat troubling verse at face value in verse 23. But it's the same sentence. I mean, it's the same quote of Jesus. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they're forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. And so I dug into that a little bit. And it is an often misunderstood or misinterpreted passage of scripture. Jesus says something very similar to to Peter in Matthew 16, 19. He says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And in both cases, it's not saying that there are a select few that have the power to extend or withhold forgiveness. Scripture is pretty clear. God is the only one that can forgive, forgive, forgive sins. But rather, what this is saying is that you have the opportunity to proclaim the gospel. And if people respond in faith to the gospel, it's as if they've already been forgiven. In fact, several Greek scholars were were quoted as translating that that should actually say, whatever you forgive, they have already been previously forgiven them by Jesus. You've got to get into the grammar and perfect present tense of the verb. And the Greek language is notorious for having like 15 different ways that a word can express future, past, present, and the different actions and so forth. And so it's a little technical. But in, in digging into that, I found that, that several commentaries say that this is extending to the disciples this idea that they were to proclaim forgiveness of sins in accordance with the gospel. That those who believe that their sins, those who believe the gospel will find that their sins have been forgiven because of that belief. And that those who refuse to believe the gospel their sins will not be forgiven. And so we are to go and proclaim. We are going to go and proclaim the good news. And all this is saying is that the good news is good to those who believe it. The good news is good to those who receive it, who invite it into their lives. The disciples had been given the great privilege of bearing the good news of forgiveness to the whole world. And so are we. We are privileged to be given that privilege of bearing the good news of forgiveness to the whole world. And so our bottom line today as we kind of wrap all of this together is that Jesus gives us peace with God 
and the peace of God. Jesus gives us peace with God and he gives us the peace of God. He came to them and he came to us to be God with us. He gives us peace with God for eternity. It's available starting now. We don't have to wait until we die to experience the peace of God in every aspect of our lives. He gave them a mission in this world, and he gives us a mission in this world. He sent them out, and he sends us out. He came to them in peace, and he sent them out in peace. He sends us out to bring his peace to others, just as he sent them out to bring his peace to others. And lastly, he sent them out with his peace, with the peace of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. So we can see that Jesus gives us peace with God and Jesus gives us the peace of God. So we can live in it. We can grow in it. We can send deep roots down into the love and grace and forgiveness of God and experience the peace of God and we can send out branches to cast out fruit. Fruit that will remain. Fruit that will begin that process in the lives of others as we share this good news with others. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this this desire of you to move the disciples and to move us from fear to faith. We thank you for coming to us, for commissioning us, giving us work to do, believing in us. and for empowering us to do what it is you have called us to do. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that you would continually move us from fear to faith, from anxiety to courage, from sorrow to joy, and that we would be faithful to leave a legacy of faith, Lord, that there would be many dominoes that begin to fall as a result of our faithfulness to go as you sent us to go, empowered by your Holy Spirit as co-laborers in your great mission in this world. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.